Hey guys, it's our California Haunts Radio. I'm going to be talking about some of our darker cases and how we dealt with them. I'll be right back. Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey everybody, good evening, happy Friday, happy Thursday, I almost said happy Friday, <laughs> kind of day I'm having. Um, my name is Charlotte, I'm going to be your, give me a second here, let me get the right button here, get the right button, yeah. My name is Charlotte, I'm going to be your host for the next hour, I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you think you have a paranormal need, we can get to you, it might take us a couple days because California is this really, really huge state. But uh, we will get you, and in the case that we can't get you right away, I have the WD-40 in my chair again. In the case that we can't get you right away, we will have one of our mediums uh, call you and uh, talk with you about what may or may not be going on. And in that case, if it is something paranormal, they can settle it down, because like I said, it might take us a couple of days to get to you, but we will eventually get to you. Anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, I have to make a quick announcement, and uh, I, d- I didn't want to have to make this announcement for this show, but got a little problem. And uh, I did some work for somebody because uh, I do freelance newspaper work. And I've been waiting on a, a check from them for the work that I did. And unfortunately, the check finally was in the mail. You know, I have that informed delivery thing, but it never made it here. So apparently it was misdelivered elsewhere. Well, I'm in a spot because um, this is to pay my bills. And I'm $139 short at this point on my bills. And I'm gonna. I'm about to probably lose my internet, and uh, the free version. Uh, this version of uh, Streamyard is gonna go the free version starting in about an hour or two from here, and that means tomorrow night you're only gonna find me uh, find the show on uh, YouTube because I couldn't make the payment, and I'm really upset. I'm really disgusted, and uh, you know it's just wow. You know there's th- there's three there's three payments I couldn't make this month because I've I've, I've been waiting on this check. And now that it's been misdelivered, who knows? So we're probably going to have to drive up to the client and pick it up. But it's just not going to do me any good over the weekend. Um, if you could find it in your heart to spare, you know, to help me out a little bit, that would be great. You know, I want to keep the show on the air. We've been getting really good ratings, you know, through RSS. We've got, we've got 10,700 downloads of the show on the RSS feed. And, um, you know, it's just starting to take off. And this is sad that this had to happen this month and hit this way. I'm really, you know, at a loss right now. I'm at a loss right now. You know, we've got events going with Nancy Matz. Maybe you guys can help me out by signing up for that uh, Valentine's reading with Nancy Matz. The links are down in the um, description of the show and everything if you want to do that. But that's the situation right now of where where we're at as far as the show goes is that who knows where, where the check went. Okay. I did see it in form delivery. I have a photo of it. Who knows? Just an FYI. So uh, $139 might as well be a million. Anyhow, welcome to the show. And I think I've got a good show for you lined up today. 
I'm going to be talking about uh, dark forces and uh, how the, our team has dealt with them. And uh, we'll talk about a few things with that. If you're watching from Facebook and you uh, like what you hear today, please be sure to hit that follow button if you haven't done so already. Uh, please be sure to leave me a thumbs up, happy face, things like that if, if you haven't done that. And uh, what that does, or even comment in the chat room, because what that does is it... Uh, Excuse me. It um, um, puts us higher up in the FYP. Just a little distra- As you can tell, I'm a little distracted over all this money situation. Um, it puts us up higher in the FYP, which means Facebook di- distributes us out more. Okay. Also, uh, not, it not only does that. Um, I forgot where I was at. Oh yes, Facebook distributes us more. Sorry about that. If you have somebody in your house with you or in the building with you who might be interested in the show. Please feel free to share us. You know, we're, I'm trying just trying to get the word out about the show. And uh, YouTube works the same way. YouTube works the same way. Um, please be sure to uh, like and share us. And also uh, subscribe if you haven't done so already. I'd appreciate it. Um, you know, we're just trying to build up our, our presence, just like over on TikTok or anywhere else that we're at. Now, if you need to find us for any reason, just Google California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team or California Haunts Radio, and we will pop up. Uh, You'll see. We'll pop up. Again, I apologize for today. Um, I'm going to do the show, and I'm going to try and stay in as great a mood as I can, but I'm rather stressed. You know, like I said, I, you know, I wish that check would have arrived so that I could pay, pay the rest of my bills, but I can't. So you're going to see some changes here as well. Uh, don't don't forget that tomorrow, because of the situation, we will be on the free version, the basic free version of StreamYard, which means we can only stream to one location, which you're going to have to find us over on YouTube, okay? Unfortunately, that's the only place. You know, I had to decide between Facebook and StreamYard to do open stream, and that was it for tomorrow. So I was hoping that beyond hope that uh, that check would get here, but like I said, it was misdelivered, and I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm $139 short. Okay, that being said, uh, be sure to comment in the chat room. Hello, moving out of the chat room. Let me take a look here. I'm going to go ahead and push this up. Hello, Dad, Cal. How you doing? How you doing? But yeah, it's the situation is unfortunate. And if, if you guys could find it in your heart to help me get that $139 in bills paid, I, I, I'd appreciate it. I mean, it's just an unfortunate situation. I've been, like, holding on to the creditors and, you know, all you guys have been there, done that, right? Um, milking the creditors so that I could keep it going until the check arrived while the check was going to arrive. I saw it on Wednesday. It was ready to be delivered, and it never got here. So it was misdelivered. So if you can find it in your heart. And again, Nancy Matz has her uh, event coming up on the 4th of February. If you if you want to get a reading, uh, feel free to use that link and go on over there. Okay. That being said, we're going to talk about some stuff. Um, Reverend Bill Bean was on Monday, and we were talking about um, scary cases, you know, demonic cases and, and, and things like that. How are we going to go in here? I'm going to take a look at my glasses on, so I'm blind. Uh, we we were talking about some of the demonic cases that yeah that he has uh, done exorcisms and whatnot, and we were also talking about his background and how he got to where he is doing these cases. But uh, I decided that you know to to talk with you guys about stuff and be very honest about uh, paranormal investigating in general. You know, if you turn the TV on, and I don't have anything against the TV shows, I really don't. Sometimes I do. Because when I've been contacted by TV shows and TV producers to contribute to their TV shows, they always want a darker story. 
very seldom do, do they want to hear about a ghost being Uncle Bob or Aunt Marge or whatever. They always want a dark story. And when you look at a lot of these shows, it's always some some dark demonic being. Now, and that's caused a thing with clients to where when we get calls to go out, they always insist that it's something dark and demonic when it may not be. And so it's really hard to convince people sometimes that, hey, relax, it's probably not what you think it is. Because, you know, demonic cases, to be perfectly honest, are few and far between. I know um, some of the priests of the Catholic Church and different people have said that, you know, the momentum of cases is picking up for that stuff for whatever reason. But to be perfectly honest, the, uh, the amount of demonic cases is few and far between. I mean, in the 18 years I've been doing this, my team has probably come across four, maybe five, if that. Because it's just, it's just very, very, very rare. So if you you know if you listen if you run into anybody that'll tell you any different that it's not rare that that they're that they've got a lot of demonic cases coming up you have to question that team because they really they're few and far between. And Nancy Matz and I and as you guys know we have differing opinions about what is demonic and what's not because Nancy Matz believes that there's that, that there's nothing demonic that um, these ghosts are just insane because they've been wandering around so much they're, they're they they they've essentially lost their minds and I think. Some of that's true. You know, I have to agree with her on some counts about that. And remember, as I go, if you guys have questions, be, for, be sure to ask me questions because I'm more than willing to answer and interact with you guys tonight. Um, we had one case um, here locally in Sacramento, probably about what, 12 blocks from where I live, that of, of a ghost that wanted people to think it was demonic. And sometimes maybe that's where it falls under Nancy Matz's category of being and it, you know somebody that that's gone in, you know some ethereal person that's gone insane, because this is in this case this 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 gentleman had died on the property and he I don't know if it was a thing where he didn't like people messing around on his property or what was going on but he was pretty aggressive and uh, when we initially got called into the case it was because the client was going to bed at night and she, she would watch like you know pro, like programs on TV like the rest of us. And if it was if it was Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise or somebody on, on a movie that she watched, she would go to bed that night and she would have dreams of those particular guys. And when she woke up in the morning, she felt violated. And uh, what was going on was that this ghost, you know, through, through our investigation, this particular ghost was coming into her dreams and posing in her dreams as these actors, you know, these really good looking actors like, you know, Brad Pitt and whoever else. So that was starting to happen with her. So we went out, uh, did the original prelim. We actually ended up going out there four or five times. And uh, originally we went out, did the prelim. And, and like, like I always try to tell you guys, uh, I like to do very, very thorough prelims. And um, so we went out and it usually takes us like two, maybe two to three hours on a prelim because I've got a really extensive questionnaire because I want to know somewhat of what we're dealing with and we went out on this prelim and while we were in the middle of the prelim it was interesting because my associate karen mcintyre she was doing the walk around while i was doing the interviewing of the client and she came into the living room and she goes you know what i feel like my face is being squeezed so, so something was squeezing her face and she could it actually drew blood to the point where she told me she says god i feel like my face is being squeezed i can taste blood and of course, I, I, I stayed real calm and I said, well, that's weird. And it was interesting because 
right after that happened, and I started the uh, preliminary, and I said, uh, we're here at such and such house, such and such day, such and such time. What I didn't know at the time was that what whoever this was or whatever this was had screamed into the um, recorder and said, get out. And it was interesting because when they screamed, it even sounded demonic. It sounded like it sounded like an animal, like a lion yelling at us at the time. And, you know, at that time, that's what we were thinking originally was that it was that maybe we did have run into a demonic case. So we get the investigation together and uh, get the crew out there and went through all the steps, you know, for, for this case. And lo and behold, with, with our psychic team coming out, we realized that this was just a man, a man who was trying to torment everybody in the house whether he wanted them out or he wanted to control everybody in the house. The woman had an autistic daughter who was communicating with him as well. So we did some work uh, accordingly and ended up coming back, of course. Brought, we even brought a, a crew from News 10 in with us. And then things got really interesting. And uh, again, you know, up to this point, we thought maybe it might be this guy, maybe something demonic in this house or whatever. But uh, we called in the shaman to help us out, and that's when it, got, it was determined it was a live man. But before all that happened, I had a, I had my team out. I had some very seasoned investigators out. I had some new investigators come out on this case, and one of them happened to be wearing a, a blessed cross around her neck. And um, she she had to step away from the investigation because while she was in the house investigating, she saw the cross rise like this, like someone had pulled it out and was holding it out straight out like this. And uh, it was an intimidation thing. Again, this, this gentleman wanted her to think that he was a demon. And that's why he grabbed the cross to hold it out there. Because we already knew what was going on, right? Because the shaman had told us this. And then a couple of the men that were there, because we had um, a guy filming. And then we had one of our investigators. They both complained that something had grabbed their private parts. And, and I mean, this guy, and especially on my team, the gentleman that was out there, very reliable. He's one of our uh, science debunker guy, type guys. And he felt the squeeze. I'm going to say that he felt the squeeze, right? And so did this news guy, this news anchor guy. So that was going on during this investigation. Um, and it was, it was things like that. And, I, and it just wasn't him because the girl being autistic was drawing in other ghosts into the house. To, you know, there was like a doorway. So we did all our, our EVP sessions, you know, and got real, real cool results with the EVP sessions. And then the shaman came in, you know, I called him the shaman. She went in and worked with the lady uh, for, I think it was a good couple of weeks, you know, worked with her. And eventually, uh, whatever this was, settled down because the woman was, the, the woman was able to take charge of the situation. Because I think, you know, initially she thought it was a demon as well because of the way it was acting. But once she found out, it was just. You know, I'm going to say a regular ghost, right? Just a, just a normal ghost. Um, she was able to take charge and, and really keep the thing at bay away from her and her daughter. So uh, that one ended up successful. But that's where, you know, that's where when you go in, you really have to do your homework on stuff and really have to ask the right questions. Because otherwise, um, yeah, because otherwise you just don't know what you're dealing with. You know, you can't just jump in when somebody calls you and, and then they tell you that they have something demonic going on in their, their home or business and say, okay, I'm going in to fight the devil. I'm going in to do this stuff. 
it doesn't work that way because you have to do a lot of poking around investigating and like i said we went back three or four times before we were able to sort it out and, and, and figure out that it was um you know that 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 it wasn't something demonic in this house because when i initially got done okay because when I initially got done with the prelim and listened back over the uh, recording, this thing sounded like a demon. I mean, it literally sounded like a demon. And not only did it sound like some kind of animal howling saying, get out, when I slowed it down, it really, really sounded demonic. And this is where I think the Nancy Mass's thoughts of it being human and, and, and being insane because it's been stuck in this loop comes into play. He was trying to act like a demon. And it's not the first time that we have run into ghosts that have done that, that have literally done that and wanted to act like, act like demons when they really weren't. So, you know, uh, that was an interesting case in and of itself. Following up on that case, we went out a few years later to a case out in, I'm not going to say where, but out in the rural area of Northern California. And the woman lived in a double wide and, she was having all kinds of problems. Another team had gone on ahead of us, and it turns out that they decided instead of investigating this, this is another reason why you have to watch, you know, watch who you bring into your house to help you. Let me get a quick drink here. Okay. Again, this is another reason why you have to watch who comes out to your house and really do your homework, you know, when you have a ghost team come out, a paranormal team, because in the case, this case, it was a fairly well-known team. I'm not going to say who it was because I don't want to get into big old fights with people, but um, i got to fix this chair. But um, they had come out and they had like a party atmosphere. They had brought, had hors d'oeuvres. They were barbecuing and doing all this stuff. And they really didn't help her. In fact, they told her that it was her. It was all about her and that she was the one causing the problem. We get out there on scene to do the prelim. I had a woman come, come with me who uh, was wanted to join the team she, she she was psychic wanted to join the team so i brought her along i said well why don't you come out watch what you know watch how we do a prelim because we're very thorough and all this she came out and she decided to walk around on her own and then she came back to me she says come on and walk with me so before i even started questioning this woman we decided to take a walk around the property we ended up she had this beautiful four-car garage beautiful garage storage all that Walked into this thing, and the the psychic looks at me and says, oh, my God, do you see that? She took a step back, and I could hear her gasp. And I said, no, I, I don't know what you're looking at. She says, it's, it's right up there. She says, it's only, about th it's only about three feet tall. It looks like a penguin, and its eyes are glowing. And I said, I really don't see that. And it scared her. I could tell she was scared. So we walked out. And I went across the way and she looked at me and she said, look, I, I, I'm not going to stay here. That, that thing, that thing scares me. I'm not, I'm not going to stay here. So she left and never came back. So I go in to interview the woman to ask her about what's been going on in her house. And it sounded a lot similar to that other case we had done, you know, with the one that was trying to act like a demon. But knowing about this, this, this black, this dark figure that, that you know, as, as a psychic put it, that looked like this little penguin. I started to wonder what was going on. And so we did the interview with her, put, started, because I'll take it back. The investigators don't see the interview information. Well, they do with the psychic zone. Um, 
Because what we do during the interview process is, is we go out, we take measurements all over the house, we go room to room, we look and see what types of uh, stuff is on the floor. Is it carpeting? Is it you know flooring? We look at the thinness of the wall. So we're looking at electrical, we're looking at all this stuff. And the questionnaire has all that stuff included on it. You know, are, are you having electrical problems? Are you having nightmares? Are you taking recreational drugs? Are, are you doing this? Are you on any kind of medications? I mean, it's really, really thorough. So we can sort things out. There's also a section in there for demonic, okay? Um, have you noticed anything heavy being moved around the house? Have you noticed knockings and things like that? So we ask all those questions of these people when we go out. So we have a pretty good idea of what we're dealing with. In this case, because like I said, this psychic has seen that thing. It made me wonder what it was. So we come back for investigation. And I was the first one in the house. And as I'm walking through the door, I see a four, I see a three-foot shadow go running down the hallway, running in the direction of the bedroom. And I thought, okay, here we go. You know, here I'm gonna put this up here so I can see your, your questions. $139 is what I'm short right now, unfortunately. $139 I'm, I'm short. Really bites, really bites. Thank you for asking, Dad California. I really appreciate it. Ah, what, a, what a week. So anyway, um, so I see this thing go running down the hall. I had my mother with me. My elderly mother at that point was going on investigations with me. So I set up like a command center in the living room, and I surrounded her with salt and some other stuff so nothing would bother her. And uh, we decided to go... Do our, after setting up our cameras and everything in this place, we decided to go investigate a little bit and you know do a session in the master bedroom. And we go in there. I've got my recorder going, and this this is what was frightening. And I still have this. I still have this recording. I go to play it back. You know, we do the regular EVP session. Can you tell me your name and all this other stuff? And I go to play it back, and I hear a voice say. Gabriel, watch out. And it hit me while I was standing there. It hit me, not, not the ghost, but it hit me that somebody was warning the Archangel Gabriel about what was going on in this house. And so I called the team together and I went, okay, we got this problem that looks like, you know, and it looks like we're getting warnings about the danger in this house. My team comes in, we start to do the investigation. I had reports from all over cameras well, on tripods were getting knocked over in the house. Um, I had a couple of people that went inside to use the restroom in this house and they had set down their papers because everybody, you know, some, some people will carry a clipboard to take notes during the investigation. They were having the clipboard. I, I could hear it. I could actually hear the clipboards being thrown against the walls. So whatever this was, did not want us there. And uh, so she even came out and told me that her clipboard went flying. So that's when it all started. That was that was really early in this investigation that this stuff was going on. And so I had some people go into, you know, because I rotate them through. You know, I'll put like one or two teams in there and ro rotate people through. And um, so there, the rotation went into the, I had, I had a group in the master bedroom and there was a rotation that went into that garage area. People were coming out coughing and gagging because they told me that the garage smelled like vomit they could smell vomit in that garage another report that came in the psychic that the psychic of record that night trish her son was with us and it was interesting because they were getting unnerved because when he 
when he went in there and she was in and she was in the room with me because we because we were discussing what you know what was transpiring to this case there was so much going on and i'm telling you cameras were getting knocked over everything it's like this whatever that was didn't want us there at all and he came out and he said you're not going to believe this but my mother is calling me into that garage i said what do you mean she's calling you in the garage she's sitting in here with me he says yeah yeah she's sitting in here with you she's but her whatever that is in that garage is, is trying to lure me in and i was just going oh wow okay so at that point i i knew we were in a, a real bad situation with this lady and so I, I get on the phone, I call the shaman, the shaman comes out, and the shaman decides to take this thing on. I did not go outside. My mother, you know, I was in, the, I was in protection mode for my mother, so I stayed inside with the, with the equipment, you know, watching the monitors and everything. But uh, I'm not going to mention names of this either. But my understanding is when the shaman went out there to do battle with this thing, she did battle with it outside, that she had to change it, it, it physically, it's, she didn't realize it either that it, had physically, that it had attacked her. And I had people come in and go, gee, she needs another pair of um, underwear because she had wet herself during taking this thing off. And uh, so, yeah, so we, we, we stayed the night. We, we stayed as long as we could that night. The shaman did a cross blessing on the house trying to get the thing out of there. And then we found out afterwards because with these cases like this, what happens is that you think you have it out of the house and then either the person that's living in the house invites it back in inadvertently or the thing just comes back. And in this case, it returned. So I ended up contacting uh, the local church on it is what happened. And then I never heard anything else from, from the woman. So hopefully that got it taken care of. But we did run into something that was definitely whatever that was, was, was demonic. Very, very, very demonic. Uh, you know, and like I said, they're very rare and that, you know, that's like what eight, 10 years into what I was doing as an investigator. It was 10 years, you know, that I'm just looking to see, check my time. It was 10 years. It took us for to hit something that dark and demonic in a house. So, you know, that was an experience. It was something to, something to write about and keep track of. And I do have files. I have files. I have closets back here full of files, filing cabinets stacked up. So I can go back if I find similar cases, you know, cases with similar characteristics. I can go back through the files and see what we did and what transpired so I can compare notes on these cases. So fast forward, you know, a, a little more. And uh, we got a case that was close by here by uh, the state fairgrounds. So Cal Expo is like right down the road down here, about maybe two miles. And I sent in the, the, the same for the prelim. I didn't get to go because I, I was taking care of my mother at the time. But I sent in the same team that that went into that original house out here that I was telling you guys about with the ghost that was pretending to be a demon. And they went in and the, the, this had to do with this little girl that was speaking in tongues, just like, that's like the movie The Exorcist, right? She was speaking in tongues. And you got to remember, the gentleman that went in again was, was one of my, is one of my hardcore investigators. And not much scares this man. I mean, he is just all about technical and all this. I come to find out that this girl, this little girl, had done, because they called me and said, you know, we almost left because this was really scary. And I said, what are you talking about? And they reported, this is the prelim, they reported that this little girl, she must have been, I think she was about eight or nine years old at the time, had done the spider walk across the carpeting. 
and uh, she did talk in in like Latin and things like that, you know, in, in, in different languages. And so I knew we were dealing with something really dark at that point. You know, the little girl was was changing personalities and all this was going on. And um, so we really, we didn't even, I don't even think we went back to investigate because the shaman had gone out there and said that this had been a generational curse that had been on, that the grandmother or great-grandmother had been practicing black magic for years. And then it got all this, all this bad karma got passed on through the family, which is where, which is, which is which brought us to have to go investigate there in the first place. So we, I think we ended up, the, the shaman had to deal with that one. But that was another really dark case. And that was the second time that I've ever seen this, 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 this one gentleman come out, of a, come, come out of an apartment or a house scared. And to have him scared really, really hits you right here because he, he's Mr. Calm on these cases. He's been doing them uh, almost as long as I have, if not longer. Um, again, you know, these are few and far between and we're talking, this is over a span of 18 years that I've been doing this to run into these kind of, these kind of cases. Um, another one that comes to mind that I was thinking about, cause I was thinking about these things last night, excuse me. Oh, wow. That tastes so good. I was thinking about these things last night, you know, which ones I was going to talk about tonight. And, um, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine was living in this house down in the south area of, of, Sa of Sacramento area. And she'd been having trouble in this house as she moved in. And I'm not, you know, to get into details about this house. The house had what I would call a dark history in that it was a marijuana grow house at one point. So there were a lot, you know, there was a lot of bad karma coming in and out of there. And her son, and uh, Christina, if you're listening, you know, I'm not going to go into it, but yeah. Her son had uh, accidentally shot himself and killed himself. Accidentally. I'm saying it was accidental. It was accidental. And so all this dark stuff had happened in this house. And so we go into the house, start our investigation, you know, do the prelim. I'm interviewing her, getting the details of that. You know, there was a grow house. Not knowing that this that there was something demonic actually going on in this house. Uh, we get there for the night of the investigation. And, you know, we're walking around. And you could feel the air was, like, really, really thick in the house. You could just feel it. And... Uh, go in there with, with one of our psychic team into the bathroom, which is where the um, accidental shooting happened. And she picked up that while well, it was a grow house, there had been a murder in there, which they knew about. And if this had probably been a murder for hire, you know, having to do with the, with the drug lord, but somebody had been murdered right where the bathtub was. They, they, they made them scrunch down on their knees and did it execution style to take them out. So that was going on in this house. So all this bad energy, you know, just a case of just total bad energy in this place. And I remember going into the garage. And I remember Trish was, uh, I think it was Trish was there, our psychic Trish. And she came out and she said, it's demonic. There's something demonic. There's something dark flying around the garage. It, it looks demonic. And I couldn't see it. But she, I went out there with her, and she said, no, it's over there now, it's over there now, it's over there now, it's over here. It's flying, it's got wings, it's here. Did some, re, you know, um, did the investigation in there, and went after it. I mean, we literally went after it to push this thing out, and we did some stuff around the house to, you know, to try and keep whatever this energy was out of the house. You know, uh, they went around, salted, chanted, did some other, you know, did some other stuff, and uh, went home. And I, I, I came home, thought I was okay, came home to uh, listen to the EVP work. 
you know, and, do, and fill out the paperwork because I always take paperwork back to the client. And I was, I was sitting on, on my own couch. As I'm sitting on my own couch doing all this paperwork and listening to the EVP session, suddenly my arm's burning. And I look at my arm and I've got a scratch going all the way down here. And then another one appeared. And then another. Three, right? Three scratches. So this thing had followed me home. And then right after that, um, I have an air conditioner, uh, through the wall air conditioner. It's an older house. And you could you could pop the front off of it to get to um to to get to the filter to clean the filter out. And as I was sitting there doing this work and watching the scratches appear, I gotta fix this chair again. As I was sitting here, the the the, the front part that pops on blew off the air conditioner and shot across two rooms and hit the wall. So this thing was in my house. So I had to make some phone calls in the shop and I had to make some, you know, chase this thing out of my house. And I did a hell of a job chasing it out of the house. I mean, I literally opened up all my doors and ordered it out, the name, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ and all this stuff. And definitely ordered this thing out of my house. And it never, it never returned to me. But it didn't go back to their house either because Trish and a couple others had gone and, and, and done some, you know, some indoor and outdoor cleansing over there. But it was one of these cases where it was hovering along the perimeter of the house. It would stay hovering. And so, you know, it would have to have maintenance. So the family would have to or get Trish or one of us to go back out and then redo it all. Like if it rained, especially if it rained, because it would wash it all away. So, we, you know, it would be a constant maintenance thing for that particular house. But that thing did follow me home. And, it went, you know, I had the whole scratch thing going on. So it was crazy. It was really, really, really crazy. And uh, yeah, like I said, that's what that's number three case. Eight, again, eighteen years, eighteen years to, for that many cases. This uh, there was this house in Vallejo that we went out on, and this one um, we still weren't determined whether it was a demon or whether it was just a uh, just just a ghost trying to act like a demon. However, um, I'm leaning more towards demon in there. We did have clergy come out on that one because we did get a photo in a window, or that the client did. They were out barbecuing and they got a picture of this thing peering out at them, you know, from the upstairs of this house. And uh, it did look demonic. But what, what was significant was that the children in the house would hear this thing whispering to it in their bedrooms. It would stand in this one bedroom and kind of try to coax them in. But they would never go in. And again, whatever, I think it was her son was autistic. So again, you've got uh, somebody on the spectrum in this house. And uh, what was interesting and scary at the same time was I had another psychic investigator who, you know, was kind of arrogant at that time. And, you know, nothing ever hurts me. I just love this stuff. He goes upstairs in this house to, to talk to this thing or see what's going on with it. And somebody had to go up and get him because he got totally disoriented while he was upstairs. He couldn't find his way downstairs at all. Couldn't find his way out. And his heart was racing. His heart was racing at an alarming rate. They thought they were going to have to call 911, that he was going to have a heart attack. So whatever this was had attacked him while he was upstairs. And so they did the investigation on that one, and they did call out. We, we did end up calling out clergy to go out there and, and uh, work with the family. Um, from time to time, we do hear from the family. And sometimes she says it's back. Sometimes she says it isn't. But uh, we did have we did uh, consult clergy on that one as well, you know. So these things, like I said, 
they do crop up from time to time. And I don't want to go into heavy detail because if I go into too much detail on these things, chances are that people will figure out where they were and I don't want to do that. And, you know, which investigators and psychics and clergy were involved in these cases. So I don't really want to go into real heavy detail with them. But it does happen. But again, like I said, it's rare. You know, like 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 Bill was saying on Monday, you know, he's done over he's done more than a thousand, but he's been doing it for a lot of years too. So they could stack up. And one thing I did notice too is when this shaman came on and we had the capability of fighting the darker stuff, we had more cases come in that 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 seemed like they were dark cases. It's like it's like the universe turned everything towards us to to uh investigate these cases and, and handle them. Which I don't have a problem with. I mean, people are in need. We're, we're going to do our best, you know, to help them. But, you know, on the, on one hand, it's fine and dandy. But on the other hand, it's very stressful because you have to sort out who's the good guys, who's the bad guys. You know, is it really demonic or is it, like I said, is it some insane ghost like Nancy says, trying to act like it's demonic to, to scare everybody, scare the investigators and scare, you know, scare the people that live there. So you really have to sort through this stuff. Perfect example of this, um, one of the last cases we did before COVID hit was a house in a rural, in, in rural area of California, fairly close to Sacramento. And there was an older man and his wife living there along with his two sons. And the one son, or along with his son, I can't remember if the two sons were living there or not, but the one son, again, was autistic. And he had some other health issues going on. See, so you got autistic kid with other health issues going on and the the mother and father in this case were very very they were probably in their late 60s early 70s and they, they retired you know because they, they they were taking care of these kids and they even had a hospital bed in the living room for, for the one boy and the father you know was and i don't know if he was being affected by whatever was in the house or what was going on but he was very very aggressive very mouthy very aggressive and you know, and, and 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 I wouldn't say abusive, verbally abusive. And as our team went in there to do the initial investigation, he was all over us, yelling at us, calling us names, all this other all these other things. Finally, got him calmed down, did the walk through the house, and the, and he swore up and down that whatever this was, it was a demon. Naturally, uh, you know, just, uh, not naturally, but that's what people believe, right? These people were very Catholic, by the way. And they swore up and down that this was a demon. And I was walking around the house and I'm looking on the walls and I noticed that they have a lot of religious, blessed, I mean blessed, religious icons on the walls and some religious statues. And I said, well, how long have those been there? And the wife, who was very cooperative with us, says, oh, we've had them there all along. We put them up there when all this started. I said, well, I can tell you right now, this isn't a demon because these things wouldn't be on the wall. Okay. They have these these things in every room of the house, right? And I said, these things wouldn't be up on the walls if it was a demon. They'd be on the ground or broken. And I tried to reassure her. The husband, of course, was insisting that whatever this was was demonic and that we should deal with it. And so uh, did we got done with the prelim. Jeff, um, let me just let me take a look at these comments. Thank you, Dad. I don't know who you are, but thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I really do. I've been really stressing over it. I appreciate it. Um, I really do appreciate it. I'll get you a t-shirt or something for helping for helping me out. Um, so 
we get back out of the investigation. We ended up going out of that place twice because we had so much trouble with him. And one of the things that came out during the, 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 the prelim of this house was that the, the father, the father um, had had a brain tumor. And he, you know, he was being, he had, he was in remission, you know, this brain tumor. And one of the things I wondered about this, because he was so aggressive and so, I want to say nasty. I want to be honest about it. I mean, really nasty. I, I was wondering if he had been checked recently because maybe, because he was hallucinating too. He, he was seeing stuff in the house. And um, so that was one of my main questions was, oh, I was just seeing something real quick. Okay. Um, that was one of my main questions was, you know, maybe he should be checked for, because he he's he's the primary he's the one that was primarily seeing stuff and hearing the voices in the house, so I, I I was I asked the wife I said well when was the last time he had a brain scan because a lot of the stuff that he's telling me, and you know to see his anger like it is, you know there could be another tumor, coming up in his brain, and she said well it's been a while but I'm going to tell him to do that on your advice and I said yeah I wish you would, because he had claimed that. He would he would lean over his, his sick son and his sick son's eye colors would change and all this was going on, and so that's why he thought it was it was demonic, and um, they even had a photo of what they claim was a ghost and you know in that case if somebody takes a photo on their own you really can't prove it you know because with us we'll take three photos in a row we've got witnesses and all that going, and um, so we're able to prove it more but if somebody gives us a photo there's really no way to prove that that photo was. Legit or not, legit. in fact, it looked like her son to me, as far as I was concerned. It looked like a kid, it looked like her son. Anyway, so uh, we do the investigation. I did some ITC work where we use a, <clears throat> a black pan, and you know, I'm going to do one of these on, online. I'm going to be doing an investigation here soon. I'm going to do an ITC live for you guys to see it and what we do with that. You get a black pan, fill it with water, you put a bright light on it, somebody takes flash pictures, you stir the water up, ask questions. Then you have to go through there with a fine tooth comb. To see if there's any faces, because a lot of times a face will appear in the water or other objects. And so we do this ITC session. You treat it like a, a EVP session. And so you're asking those questions, you know, um, can you tell me your name and all that stuff? And, you know, you just, so what happened was, is I got the, I got the face of a man that we couldn't identify, a fairly younger gentleman with a beard. And we also got a Winnie the Pooh. And it turns out that, that the other son, his bedroom, had a Winnie the Pooh sitting on the floor. So it was all linking up, right? So anyway, um, we do the investigation, and we had to go back, because I because I was just, I couldn't figure it out for the life of me what was going on in this house. I mean, it was just so much going on, you know, between the guy saying it's demonic, between, you know, the activity that was going on, the, the apparitions they were claiming were there, the objects moving. I was just trying to figure it all out. And so uh, I get a phone call from her. And this is a couple of weeks later. And she says, you guys are coming back. I know. She says, but I want to let you know that my husband had a brain scan and he's got another tumor growing. And I said, well, you know what I think is going on? And I told her at that point, he's not going to be happy with what I'm about to say. But what I think is going on is whatever is going this this tumor that he's got. And I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical doctor. I have nurses on my staff. You know, whatever's going on, he's causing a lot of this activity because he's so upset. He's so angry. And it's always, it always happens when, when they're sleeping, right? Poltergeist activity. 
So he's causing poltergeist activity. And um, yeah, and that's what I told her. She says, well, he's not going to be happy with that. I said, okay, we're going to come back. I'm going I'm to do the post on this. And, um, you know, and, and we'll talk to him. We'll talk to him. So I took a team back in there. And he was really, that, that particular day, he was really, really irate. I mean, I'm talking super duper irate. Uh, we get in there, you know, I'm trying to sit down with him to explain what's going on. And he's yelling at me. I mean, he is just all over me. And we had some equipment with us. So I said, you know what, we're done. I, mean, I can't do anything for these people. I told them what I think is going on, you know, what I assume is going on. And let's pack up and get the hell out of here. And I'm not going to sit here and, and, and take anybody's abuse. And I have Monica Funk. Thank you so much, Dad California. And uh, Monica Funk, who is now gone, unfortunately. Love her to death. She's my best friend in the whole world. And um, I have a message here I gotta deal with. Um, give me one second. This is a this is a potential client, so I um, that I've been in contact with. So let me double check that real quick and make sure I got the message right. So anyway, Monica Funk was with me and she went in, had a little chat with the guy, got him to calm down because, you know, obviously we couldn't do our job. And so she got him to calm down. So what's interesting about this is that we went into the side bedroom and Trish, who went back on this case, Thank you so much, Michael. I so appreciate it. Oh, my God. I'm totally in debt to you. Thank you. Anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, I decided to check that, too. Thank you so much. My gosh. You didn't have to do that. So we go back in the house, and uh, Trish is determined that there's another ghost there that we didn't expect. It was a younger boy that was in the house, a young man. And so we go into a side bedroom of this house. It's like a, more like a sitting room in this house. And Trish starts to channel this kid. And we start talking to him. And I, I had the recorder going. I did not have the video wasn't working that night for some reason. So I had a recorder going. And so I'm going to play this back for you guys on a, on a later show because it's pretty incredible. And I got to get my WD-40. And um, so, so Trish is talking to this guy channeling. And it turns out that this gentleman... This young gentleman had lived on the property years and years ago before this house was built. And he had been a drug user. And he had gotten into this, you know, I know you get these elaborate stories, right? And we were able to cross-check it too. And I'll tell you, and I'll tell you why. And he had been fighting with his parents because it was one of these cases where they wanted nothing to do with him and all this. So he decides to burn the house down and get even with his parents. So he sets the house on fire, not knowing that his mother is in the house. So he burns the house down. He killed it. You know, this is what we got. This is what we got through Trish, the channeling. He killed his mother. And he had a lot of guilt from this. And so he stayed on the property. He stayed attached to this property. And um, I was able to verify it. Went back through county records, found the fire, the exact date that he said he set the house on fire. He, he, you know, he gave me the date. He gave me the year. I was able to trace it on. 
who the inhabitants of the house were. So I was able to cross-check all that later on. But in the meantime, he wouldn't cross over or make the attempt to cross into the light, as wild as that sounds, right, to the people that don't believe. And um, so I said, look, I said, you know, it's okay. And he said, and in talking to him and continuing this conversation, he said he was there to protect the boys from the father because the father scared him because the father was so angry all the time. So that's why he was still there pretty much was because he was trying to protect these boys. So when the father actually saw him as a ghost, that was him. This is who the father was, was who the father saw was, was this younger kid. And that's probably, I'm not going to say that's what the photo was because I don't know, but that's probably who was on the photo. So as we, as we're talking to him, you know, I, 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 I reassured the boy that the father, you know, was, was getting help because he had this thing in his head growing and that's what was causing it. In the meantime, he was afraid to cross over because he thought for sure that he was he wasn't going to go to a good place. And I said, well, you know what? You're you're very sorry for what happened to your mother and for what you did. So. Let's try and let's try and send you to your mother. And Chris was sitting on the chair next to me and her eyes are shut. And Monica's in the room with us, right? So we're all sitting there watching this. And Monica and I are talking to him and trying to sweet talk him. And we asked through Trish, where, where is the opening? Where is the opening in this house for the ethereal light, right? And she said, well, it's across the room over there on the left. And I said, okay, let's try and talk him over. Let's try and talk him over. So we called on his mother to be in that light. And so it took some convincing. And like I said, I have all this, you know, on recorder, the way it went down. And you can hear everything that's going on. And we were able to talk him to the light. And he looked in, he saw his mother there. And she was reaching for him to pull him through. And what was fascinating, what transpired next, I will never forget. Trish puts her hand out like this, like she's holding on to something, she's reaching. And I kid you not, all right? Now remember, Trish is sitting in this like lounge chair thing, right? She got up, like somebody pulled her out of the chair. You know how when you help somebody out of a chair and you kind of pull them up and pull them forward to get them to stand up? She had her arm out and stretched and I watched. She stood up, okay? I didn't help her. I didn't lift her up. She just stood up like this, and she was standing there. And I said, okay, now that we're there, are you at the light? And Trish goes, yes, I'm at the light. Is that your mother reaching for you? Yes, okay. Step three, your mother's not mad at you. Just, just go with your mother. The second I said that, Trish falls back in the chair like she was released. Like whoever it was that had her by the hand, released her down. Trish fell back in the chair. And my first reaction was, Trish, are you all right? And she said, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm fine. So five of us on this team witnessed this, this, this whole thing go down this way. And this, this, this boy, he went with his mother finally. The guilt was gone. Go out, we announced it to the family. And the son... The autistic son came over and hugged each and every one of us that was there. He was so thankful for what we did. Because, of course, he was seeing this boy, too. And so we left and 
got a phone call from the wife later on, you know, a year or so down the line, no other problems. He got that, the husband had gotten that tumor taken care of and everything was hunky-dory in the house. So, you know, like, like that's what you have to do. You have to go out and you're not only an investigator, you have to be a, you have to be a counselor. You have to be a doctor. You have to be able to, to do this stuff. You know, to be able to sort through stuff. And that was probably one of the hardest cases I have ever done. Because it took me at least 30 days to two months to figure out just what the hell was going on in this house. You know? And uh, it felt good. It felt, you know, the, the day that we left and we left them with all the info and what had been going on, the day after we got the hugs from, 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 the, from, the, from the one son, we all felt so good leaving that house. Because we had accomplished something. And we had done good. And uh, yeah, there was never another report of anything going on again in that house, ever. But it's interesting, the stuff you find out. And again, you have to go out. When you find out that there's a kid like this that claims he, you know, he gives us a name, he gives us a day that the house burned down and a time the house burned down, you have to go do your extra research, go check newspaper clippings, you know, go, go to the library, go to the county records and see, you know, what houses, if there were any houses there before. That's all part of the thing. It's not like it is on TV where, you know, they go out, they do the investigation, and then they come back and do, and do the post. Oh, here's your EVPs. Yeah, we think you have a ghost. No, we don't think you have a ghost. A lot more goes into it. You have to be a researcher, and you have to watch it. I mean, there's so many cases that we've gone out on where people are on medication. There was a case up in, up in the hills uh, where we actually picked up a, another ITC of a gentleman with a beard that had been a, an original owner of the house that we found a photo of. And as it turned out, this woman that lived in this house was taking this medication that would make her hallucinate and see things. The minute she got off the medication and changed medications, there weren't any more ghosts. So, I mean, that's just part of the job where we have to go out and see stuff. And sometimes the stuff they see isn't very pleasant. They'll think it's, like in this case, like with this gentleman, he thought it was a demon. But it turned out it wasn't a demon. So, I mean, that's just, it's just part of what we do when, you know, when we go out. But like I said, we have kind of a boring history because we really have not had any, a lot of demon cases or a lot of demonic cases or dark cases. You know, one thing I can tell you is like on our questionnaire, uh, we had, I'll add one more before we close tonight. Uh, we were on Roseville, did this case out in Roseville and uh, the daughter um, had, been watching shows like ghost hunters and whatnot and she thought it was a joke and you know ouija boards and all this stuff was going on with her and she um they started seeing this dark thing like an animal running through the house and it was just a dark shape of this animal again something you know like two three feet off the ground and uh that turned out you know to be what it was it scared the people because they had a young son and it would scare him well, what they neglected to tell us is sometimes clients don't tell us everything, all right? We go out to investigate, investigation night, and it's just us, one of the psychics, and I just, again, that was another one I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on because I was getting, like, he, the husband would say something, the wife would say something, so the stories were conflicting that I was getting, especially from the daughter, so I was trying to sort of this through. So I'm outside of the command center. I've got, like, three phones going. I had two remote psychics on you know for each phone to see if we could figure out what was going on while my investigators are coming out with reports that they're hearing banging in all these rooms in the bedrooms they open the door and there's nothing there banging 
A couple of them saw some stuff float through the air. And then um, we get done with this investigation, you know, get all the facts that we need. And one of the psychics calls me and says, it looks like a witch. I said, what do you mean it looks like a witch? She says, whatever this is, it isn't human. I can't see its face. The face is covered in hair. Just this long, scraggly hair. And I said, really? And, and, you know, that's all I needed. And I said, okay, we're in over our heads on this one. We need to get out, call the shaman, you know, maybe call clergy on this. But whatever this is, it's angry and it's not, it's not human. We're not going to deal with that stuff. We're just not going to deal with it. So we, the client returns because they had taken off to go to a movie for the night. Client returns. I'm talking to them in the driveway. And this was a key factor that they didn't tell us because the client withheld information from us on this case. Okay. According to the client, they were doing laundry in their, in, in their washroom, in their utility room. And while they were doing laundry, the dryer door opened and was ripped off the hinges and thrown across the room. This is something that they neglected to tell us, right? Had they told me that initially, I would have gone in, instead of going in as a general investigation, I would have gone in a lot differently with this case. The shaman would have come out immediately with us. One rule of thumb. Ghosts cannot rip doors off the hinges. They're not strong enough to do that. If something is strong enough to rip a door off metal hinges, you're dealing with you're dealing with something that's not of this earth. So it all fit together at that point. The hinges were ripped off. They had this dark little creature running along the floor. And I told them flat out. I said, I'm pulling everybody out. We're in over our heads right now. We're going to send the shaman out. Shaman goes out, finds out, like with that other case, with that little girl that did the spider walk, that this this had a generational curse going on. If you remember the, the show with Bill Bean, he talked about generational curses. This was also a generational curse. So she worked with the client. Everything's fine now. But whatever that was, I think I tend to think it was a banshee because the way it was described to me by the psychic that called me, it sounded like a banshee, to be honest. But again, if the client had been honest with us in the beginning and said, hey, you know, we were in the laundry room doing our laundry and this, and this, and this metal door got ripped off its hinges, I would have changed the way I was, you know, I would have automatically shifted gears about how I handled the investigation. But they didn't do that. And we walked in not knowing that this thing was, that this thing had that much power. Luckily, nobody got hurt. Luckily, none of my investigators got hurt. Because it could have turned ugly on us. But that's what happens. But in the end, everything worked out. Shaman went out. Boom, boom, boom. Everything was taken care of. But again, see, like I told you, you know, we're looking at what, what, three or four cases in 18 years of, of, of coming in contact with stuff like that. It's very rare. It's very rare indeed to come in contact with stuff like that. Do I think that that kind of thing is ramping up? I don't know, because, I, you know, Bill, you know, Bill Bean thought, said that he thought that kind of activity was ramping up. I haven't seen that yet. And then you got to think about, you know, you watch these TV shows and that's what they're all about. It's a ghost, da 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 it's a ghost. And, um, 
you know, or I mean, it's a demon. Sorry, not a ghost. That's a demon. Right away, people think it's a demon. And so that's the thought pattern. So who knows? Who knows if it's ramping up? I, I haven't seen it ramp up. I really haven't seen it ramp up. But that's just my, this, this just me and my view after doing this. I want to thank you guys for sticking with me. I really appreciate it. Um, Dad, Cal, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, I'm indebted to you for, for eternity. Thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. What a relief. I appreciate it so much. I really do. And I want to thank everybody that's been listening on the uh, on the RSS feed over at uh, iHeartRadio and all those places. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. We are now up to 10,785 downloads of this show for this month. So I'm really excited about that. And like I said, I've got a lot planned for you guys. A lot planned. You know, like we started doing projects over in the other room for our off nights. I've got all kinds of projects. In fact, I just realized that I got a Christmas present a couple of years ago from my friend that is a Ravel bottle of the Millennium Falcon that I want to build and we can do it live and just kind of hang out together, you know, in, that, in, in the other studio. But I want to thank each and every one of you that listened tonight. And uh, I wish I had more scary stories to tell, but to be perfectly honest, like I said, that stuff is few and far between. But uh, when you do get them, they're usually humdingers like those, like those cases. And you have to be very, 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 very careful. The interesting thing to point out, too, is that before I sign off is that, you know, the Catholic Church for years has taken a dim view on ghost investigators because they think we stir more stuff up than it's worth. But the problem is that a lot of these cases, we are the ones that put ourselves out there so that we can document what's going on in the house because the church isn't going to go out and just do an exorcist because you say, oh, yeah, I think this has to be an exorcist. The church wants facts to go along with it, hardcore evidence to go along with it. So what they do is they have us go out. We're the first defense. So we can take all the notes to get all that hardcore information before they come out. So it's kind of like a catch-22 with this. Okay. So tomorrow, Nancy will be, Nancy Mass will be with us. It's Casual Friday. And we're going to be talking relationships. Are you struggling in a relationship? And uh, you know dang well that it's not working out for you. We're going to be talking about that tomorrow. And again, be sure to visit the California Haunts Meetup. We do have that uh, relationship uh, on Valentine's uh, reading coming from Nancy. And uh, check that out as well. And I want to thank you again. I thank everybody. Thank you, Dad California. I really appreciate it. So I'll see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. We're just trying to get the word out about our, our little old show. Alrighty, guys. See you tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a great evening.